Tonight's episode of Legacy Battle is brought to you by Neora Fit. They say pictures are worth a thousand words. Let's look at some of the amazing results that Neora Fit users have enjoyed. Check out this guy. And look at what Neora has done for this woman. That's impressive. And check this out. Neora Fit goes way beyond weight management. Look at all these extra benefits. Neora also features plant-based skincare and hair restoration products. Contact my good friend Vaughn at YvonneSillNeora.com and check out all the ways Neora can improve your life. Enjoy the show. Good evening. Welcome to Legacy Battle. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel and join that Facebook group. If you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, please contact us in the comments section. I am Michael Adams, creator of Legacy Battle. Here with me tonight, Penn State Collegiate All-Star, Kevin Adams, Ball State athlete, Paul Habakot, and from the baseball team known as the Billings Mustangs, Manny Correa. Our special guest tonight is a member of the Stanford Athletic Hall of Fame, where he was a two-time first-team All-Pac-10 player, setting a record in wins, strikeouts, and innings pitched. He pitched uh, one and a half seasons with the Pirates, but is most remembered, of course, for his time with the Baltimore Orioles, where he led baseballs and wins by a lefty in the 1989 season, which is, of course, famous for the Baltimore Orioles, you know, the why not season. In fact, I even watched the team video today on YouTube. still <laughs> on there. I love how that, that pretty much opened with you uh, writing a letter to your father. That was great. But uh, he's also a member of the 1984 United States baseball team, winning a bronze medal, the World Cup of Baseball. Ladies and gentlemen, Major League Baseball pitcher Jeff Ballard. Hey, guys. For joining us. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. I'm a long way from all of you out here in Montana. So <laughs> thank God for technology, right? We couldn't do this otherwise. <laughs> Absolutely. You're probably an hour behind us too, right? <laughs> two. two. Two hours. Okay. All right. Wow. Well, as always, after the debate, we're going to have a Q&A with Jeff about his career. Tonight's debate is the greatest 300-game winner from the 1980s on. So as long as they pitched in the 80s, at some point, they've made our list tonight. Now, there were actually 10 pitchers that qualified. We cut that down to eight. Uh, we took out Roger Clemens for, let's just say, obvious reasons. And uh, Don Sutton ended up being, I guess, the, the one who drew, drew the short straw and didn't make the, the, the final eight cut. So we're going to start tonight with Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson, nicknamed the big unit, played 22 seasons in uh, the MLB from 88 to 2009. Um, he uh, played for six teams, spent most of his career uh, with Seattle and Arizona. Uh, also played for Montreal, Houston, and the Yanks, uh, as well as the Giants. Uh, finished with a career record of 303 wins, 166 losses. With those 303 victories, uh, that's the fifth most in MLB history. 4,875 strikeouts, uh, placed in second all-time uh, behind Nolan Ryan, uh, and first among left-handers. 
he holds five of uh, the seven highest single season strikeout totals by a left-hander in modern history. Um, you know, Johnson was a 10-time All-Star. He's won a Cy Young Award five times, only second to Roger Clemens, which, you know, Roger Clemens, I don't know, that's got to be asterisks next to his. Um, and he's one of uh, only two pitchers, uh, the other being Greg Maddox, uh, to win the award in four consecutive seasons. In 1999, he joined Pedro Martinez and Gaylord Perry in winning it in both the AL and the NL game. Um, he is one of uh, 18 pitchers in history to record against uh, a win against all 30 MLB teams. Uh, he's been the ER leader four times in his career. He's nine-time strikeout leader, won a triple crown in 2002, World Series 2001, uh, also the MVP of that World Series. Uh, he, uh, he was one of the tallest baseball players in the history of MLB, six foot ten, crazy dominant fastball, it was consistently around 100 miles per hour and clocked in at 102. And who can forget in 2001 uh, when a bird flew directly in the path of the ball that he threw? What are the odds of that? The ball clocked the bird and basically it just combusted the bird. Like the bird like disappeared and it was just like a cloud of feathers. Uh, and the announcer commentators were like, it's, it's a sea of feathers. <laughs> and if you watch the video, it's, it's insane. Like I feel bad for that bird because <laughs> – getting hit by a 100-mile-per-hour fastball like that. But um, so, yeah, he, he also had a hard slider. Uh, he did struggle early on in his, in his career, though. He had only won 64 games uh, by the age of 30, which I was kind of shocked by that. Um, he went on to lead the league in strikeouts nine times after that and, and got the ERA record four times, uh, winning percentage uh, four times, uh, complete games uh, four times, uh, leading in all those categories. Finished his career with a 646 winning percentage, and about 65% uh, of, of that was wins, uh, ranking him sixth among sixth among uh, left-handers with at least 200 decisions. Eighth in games started at 603, ninth in innings pitch. He finished first in strikeouts per nine innings with 10.67. Third in uh, hits bat batsman, <laughs> um, and tenth fewest uh, hits allowed in nine innings pitched uh, at 7.24. Um, he was elected into the Hall of Fame in 2015, first year eligibility, got 97% of the votes, first person to wear the Diamondbacks jersey in the Hall of Fame, and he's one of only five pitchers in the Hall of Fame that has more strikeouts than innings pitched. Best pitcher out there. John Johnson was intense. I mean, this guy threw at his own kid in a father-son game, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh... Jeff, uh, obviously, I want your thoughts on Randy Johnson, but let me ask you about his stare. I mean, is that maybe like part of the intimidation factor that the batters would have with 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 Randy Johnson? Well, I just think you know his overall persona was a, a a good factor for him, a big factor for you know his success. I mean, obviously, you know, exceptional stuff. But uh, we, we didn't call him a big unit um, on the bench in Baltimore. We, we referred to him as Ichabod. But uh, <laughs> that was more of an inside thing. Now, I played against Randy in, uh, at Stanford. He was at USC. So I've seen Randy throw, you know, when he was really young and raw, um, all the way up through when he was with Seattle and then onward, you know, while I was playing. Um, you're right. He had, he had marginal control early in his career. He, he, at Stanford, if you the more you yelled at him, from the bench and, and got on him, the tougher he got because he'd get focused and mad. And, and, and then he, he seemed to be able to throw strikes and he threw it so hard, no one could hit it. But um, if you just kind of let him die out there, 
um, he all of a sudden would walk a guy and then he'd start losing his cough, start aiming it. And all of a sudden you'd see, you know, 97, 98 drop down to mid eighties and just trying to throw strikes. And um, so that was really, you know, we beat him several times at Stanford, but uh, that was because he was wild. And I think the story really that I always heard from uh, what was going on is that he had a, he had a conversation with Nolan Ryan and uh, somewhere probably about the, about the end of the eighties heading into the nineties that uh, really allowed him to free himself up mentally. And then at that point is when he really started becoming dominant. So I do not know what the conversation was, but Nolan would be a great guy for him to talk to you because Nolan was probably fairly wild early in his career um, compared to what he developed into. So really great resource for Randy. And um, I think, you know, he really took it to heart and boy, once he figured it out, he was filthy when he was out there, for sure. Paul, with uh, Randy playing, let's say, in a bigger ballpark for a lot of his career there in Seattle and Arizona, does that maybe inflate his numbers a little bit? <laughs> Piler. You know, I, he loses points because he's cruel to animals, cruel, cruel to birds. I mean, that's <laughs> – I don't uh, – in my guy, once we get to my guy, that's a notch in my guy's belt. He, he treats animals nice. Right, right. Okay, let's uh, let's move on to our second pitcher. That's Phil Necro. Phil Necro. Okay, uh, that's me. Uh, Nickname Nuxie. Uh Phil pitched for 24 seasons in the major league. That is absolutely phenomenal for for a pitcher. Obviously, it was because of his knuckleball. Doesn't, doesn't uh, put a strain on the arm. And um, I don't know if you guys ever had tried to hit a knuckleball. It's really difficult to do. Um, uh, Pete Rose once said, uh, you know, you, 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 you get spend a whole week trying to get your swing down, and then you face this guy and you're screwed up for another week. So uh, <laughs> he, um, he, he really uh, had some stuff. Phil's a, he was a what, five-time gold glove winner. Um, he was on the, yeah, made the all-star team, uh, at least five times. Um, he, yeah, he's one of those guys that won 300, uh, 300 games, obviously. Uh, earn run average a little higher than, than what, uh, you know, some of the other guys had 3.35, but he's still respectable. And the strikeouts, you know, 3,342. Uh, and that knuckleball was just amazing. I think, um, one of his catchers, uh, one time said that, um, he threw a knuckleball and he couldn't get a glove on it. Hit his shin and chin guard. Guy swung at it. Was strike three. The ball rolled out to the third base when he picked it up. Threw the guy out at first base. That's how much it moved. Um, Phil Necro had uh, 121 wins after the age of 40. That is amazing. Um, he's the type of guy that every pitching staff needs. They, 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 uh, he eats up innings. He may not have had a you know, whole bunch of wins. Is his winning percentage wasn't all that great, but it was uh, it was uh, good for the teams that uh, he pitched on. And it was always great to have somebody who had something different from the rest of the staff. You know, everybody likes to say, well, you had to mix a lefty in there with your starters and a hard-throwing righty, maybe a crafty lefty. But this knuckleball was just, you know, it's hot. And you don't see him every day. You don't see that kind of pitching every day. So it makes it difficult to hit. That's what I got on uh, Mr. Negro, Nuxy. Well, what I will say is that 3.35 ERAs, that's really good for a knuckleballer. Because if I recall correctly, Tim Wakefield and Charlie Hoff are four plus, if I'm recalling correctly, on that ERA. So 
That's very <clears throat> impressive. Did they play as many seasons as he did, though? You always remember the knuckleballers, Dickey, uh, Wakefield, Huff. How, didn't Wakefield play, like, over 20, he played 20-something high seasons? High. Yeah, at least. Maybe the stats pad up then, I guess. So, Jeff, what are your thoughts on uh, on a knuckleballer? It's it's actually pretty rare in the majors, and um, you don't you know when they have a good fastball to go with that, it makes them extremely hard to hit. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Phil obviously really set the bar pretty high for for knuckleballers. The, the hardest thing for them, and why their ERAs are typically higher, is because they they walk people. Absolutely. Um, it's hard for them to control the movement of the ball, especially on some days. You know, it's moving all over the place, and it's hard for them to throw enough strikes, and the hitters get patient because they don't like swinging at it anyway. And then they they typically get runners on base. So you're going to have a higher ERA. But when they are on, you know, certainly throwing strikes and mixing, you know, uh, really even an average fastball in, um, it, it's pretty impressive. I, I got experience. Wakefield was a roommate of mine in, in Buffalo and in AAA with the Pirates. And uh, so I got firsthand experience of, of, uh, of what a weight of what a knuckleballer goes through. But, um, you know, with Phil, pretty impressive what he did over all those all those years. Um, I'm not I like throwing a knuckleball. It's fun. Uh, I, I never uh, worked on it or really developed into anything I, I, I used much. Um, but it's, it's impressive. They can sit out there and throw the same pitch over and over and over and and be able to have the success that they do. But they're not. It's not pitching to me. It's it's uh, it's tricking the hitters, right? I mean, it's it's a little bit different. Uh, would be my if you're going to ask for a negative read for a knuckleball when you're trying to decide who is the best pitcher, um, it'd be really hard to choose a knuckleballer. Although they are incredibly unique and really fun to watch for sure. Kevin, I know you were uh, a Wakefield fan back I back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, I mean, in your opinion, do you think the knuckleball was is the hardest pitch to hit? Well, I mean, if you play any of the, the gaming systems, the knuckleball, you always got me on it, man. It drives me insane. Uh, you, can't, you can't predict where the knuckleball is really going to go. I mean, it comes in looking like it's going to be one pitch, and it's, it ends up being a knuckleball, cause, and it goes into a spot that you're not expecting. Um, by far, you know, Wakefield, like you said, I mean, I always knew Wakefield because of the knuckleball, and definitely, it's it's definitely one of the hardest pitchers and or pitches to hit, and I don't know. I've seen if that's a pitcher's main pitch, they seem to last longer in the league too. I, Wakefield pitched pretty long too, and that was his main pitch. I don't know if it's because it's not really as fast as your normal, you know, other pitches, and it saves your arm a little bit. But man, we don't need Tommy John's. <laughs> no, it, it's really, it's really pretty mild on your arm. The thing about the knuckleball, I call it the most frustrating pitch to hit because yeah. you don't throw it very hard. And hitters are geared for 95, right? So you got a guy lobbing it in there, and it's frustrating. And you you want to hit it, but and then it starts moving on you, and it just and you feel dumb as a hitter. It makes you look dumb, and that's that's never hitters don't like that. I can tell you that much. So, I've slammed uh, numerous uh, video game controllers because of that pitch. <laughs> you could almost categorize it as like an EFIS pitch. I mean, to be honest, I mean it's just coming out like yeah, really slow. But uh, so let's move on to our next pitcher. That's Greg Maddox. And I'm representing Maddox tonight. So I'm going to say this. He has more wins than any player we are talking about tonight. So he does have the win total here tonight um, with 351. And a 3.16 ERA, four Cy Youngs, four-time ERA leader, eight-time All-Star. Um, 
He was a pitching coach for USA in, in 2013, so that's quite an honor. Um, but what made him special is he wasn't he wasn't a fastball guy. I mean, he had a fastball earlier in his career, of course, was pretty good. But the fact is, like even like more towards his later years, he was only averaging 86 miles per hour on his fastball. So he just had better command than probably any pitcher we're talking about tonight. But he could hit the corners of the plate. And he could, he would outthink batters. He might, he's very smart up there at the plate. Um, not only could he pitch, but he's an 18-time gold glove winner. That is most all-time at any position. And he also has the uh, record for putouts by pitcher. So just an amazing fielder. Um, and then I just want to give you guys some just crazy stats. Listen to this. So he faced 20,421 batters. If you take out intentional walks, he only four pitched walked 140 batters. That's crazy. And he's the only pitcher to win 15 plus games in 17 straight seasons. And only five pitchers in history have posted an ERA under 1.65. And he's done it twice, two times. Um, he had 72.1 innings pitched without a walk in a row. That's second all time. And he threw a 76-pitch, nine-inning game and never got a batter to three balls, and only two batters got to two balls. And in his career, he pitched 236 games without a walk. So when it comes to control tonight, uh, I'm not going to put – I'm obviously not going to put Max up there with the, with the fastball of a, of a Johnson or a, a Ryan. The only guy who maybe comes close with the command maybe is Glavin. Um, but Maddox, just a superior pitcher. Jeff, you know, what are your thoughts on Maddox? I mean, obviously, probably the greatest fielding pitcher of all time. Uh, well, you know, I think I think for him it goes way beyond even his fielding. First, first thought I really have when I when I think of Greg Maddox is cerebral. I mean, the guy was highly intelligent out of the mound. It had such a great feel for what he needed to do. But the one the one the one point you made about. Well, we're not talking fastball. I'd beg to, I'd argue that point because it may not be a hundred mile an hour fastball, but his fastball was lethal because he could do so many different things with it. He cut it, he sank it, you know, he throw it up and in, he throw it down and away, but he would dot the location. Command is 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 probably better than anybody in the history of the game, if you ask me, about his command for throwing strikes. And 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 he inside just throwing it down the middle for throwing strikes. He absolutely brought a paintbrush out nearly every time he took the mound and, uh, and lived on the corners. And he just uh, was so fun to watch as a pitcher uh, and how he handled himself on the mound. It was just crazy what he could do with the baseball. And, and the amount of movement he got, to me, is, is, is abnormal. I mean, the, what he was able to do with the rotations and the grips and how he would get the ball to, to – to, uh, uh, you know, started at the lefty with a fastball and have it cut back to the inside corner. I mean, that's hard to do. I don't think people that, that aren't, uh, uh, that haven't pitched or at a very high level would have a hard time understanding how that's hard. That, that doesn't happen. You, there's nobody else out there in the game even today that, that throws that pitch like that very well, unless it's like submarine type pitcher. But overhand guy like him, phenomenal, just absolutely phenomenal. Manny, you played minor league ball. What does it mean to a team to have a pitcher on the mound that you know you got a chance to win every time he's out there? Yeah, that, that, that pumps you up. You know, you, you figure, hey, you relax at the plate because you don't have to worry about scoring a whole lot of runs. 
you're gonna you're gonna do whatever it takes to get you know get up early, and uh, you're willing to sacrifice, hit behind a runner, whatever it takes, because you know you have a good shot of winning. So hey, it's a lot more relaxed, and uh, you don't you know again someone like that, like like uh, Jeff was saying, very very smart pitcher. One thing I, I think that the sinker is people don't realize it, it was pretty lethal. And he would tell people, he would tell someone, I'm throwing you a sinker. They still can hit. That's how good uh, his stuff was. And uh, of course, as a pirate fan, both him and Glavin, I always thought they got a little bit, uh, a little bit of leeway from the umpires, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that your pitch, Jeff? Aren't you a sinker ball pitcher? Yeah. yeah Jeff absolutely. understands. Yeah. 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 They absolutely had big zones. Yeah. Well, that's Greg Maddox out there. I mean, he earned he earned that zone, and uh, and 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 the better you get, and the more reputation you have for command, umpires aren't going to get in the way of that very often. That's for sure. Well, the Braves never lost so long. Like they have four guys in a row coming out there that get so much respect. But uh, absolutely. Let's move that, on to our next. Oh, go ahead, Kev. Sorry. No, I was about. To, I was just going to say uh, two things. So the Braves at at, at that time. What their rotation was? What Maddox, Glavin, Avery, and and Schmoltz. I mean, yeah. that is four uh, great, you know, decent p- pitchers for a rotation. Um, but you you had mentioned uh, an, an interesting stat. Well, I also have one too. Just to kind of what Paul usually does: try to defend his guy. Mm, My go. guy, Randy Johnson, fifteen hundred more strikeouts than Maddox in over a hundred less games. Than Maddox. Leave that on the table for you. I normally don't side with Kevin, but I Kevin's got a point, Mike. You really you're the host and you get this Maddox guy. I mean, we're get out of here with this. I can tell Jeff's feeling you too. Jeff's feeling it. But you hurry up and move on to my guy because you guys are all forgetting about my guy here. Yeah, let's let us let us move on to Atlanta, the other Atlanta Brave pitcher tonight. That's yeah. uh Tom Glavin. It's it's funny how Mike gets these all these guys that have the greatest stats so he can, like, cherry pick. But anyway, I got to, I got to talk about Glavin because Jeff mentioned him. Oh, no, Manny mentioned him, and you mentioned him, Mike. And happy early birthday to my man Glavin here, born 325-66, 2014 Hall of Fame inductee. That I know of no fancy nicknames for my guy Glavin. And he kind of puts me in the mind of Jeff in that he just showed up at the ballpark and pitched. He's not as emotional as a Maddox or a Smoltz. He's just a hard worker. So I know, Mike, you're going to be voting for the winner here. If you vote for Maddox and you don't vote for Glavin, you're kind of disrespecting Jeff, really, in a lot of ways. <laughs> this guy's just like Jeff. So think about it while I go over some of these things. And also think about it. He was never cool to birds like Johnson was. So get out of here, Kevin. <laughs> all right, so the stats. I didn't go – Mike's got all these, like – Crazy stats, and that's what guilty people do when they know they got a weak argument. They get all these like little fancy stats. But I'm a stat if I had guy. a little more money, I'd be sipping on some of Tom Glavin's 2008 charity wine, Cabernet Glavion, which went uh, to his Cure Childhood Cancer Foundation. But unfortunately, I can't find it. It was last available at Wally's Wine and Spirits in Beverly Hills for 14 bucks. So take that and put that in your stat bucket there, Mike. Uh, this is a left-handed pitcher entering the league in 1987 with the Braves. He's got 22 years in the league with them and the Mets. 305 wins and 203 losses. That's, like a winning, that's a win percentage of around 600 there. Finishing in an ERA of about 3.54. 
Impressive average of 34 games each season, 56 complete games, 25 shutouts, two Cy Youngs, five MVPs, and played in six All-Star games. I think he was voted about 10 total. He's got five 20-win seasons. 1995. Wow. He gave up 350 walks. But he had 20. What, what, what didn't you hear? My damage allowed? No, no, no. You were going in and out. You're, you're fine now. Okay. Damage allowed 356. It's probably you messing with my connection because you don't want to lose. 1,500 walks, but he, uh, 2607 career strikeouts. But like, I thought I saw Mike in there. He was talking about Maddox's gold glove. I can't probably compete with that with Glavin, but dude could hit. Four-time Silver Slugger Award, winner of the 1995 Silver Slugger Award, finishing in at .186 average, which basically matches and surpasses you and Kevin's softball stats. So this guy, you know, he's quiet. He's a hard worker. And you, you're going to probably be swayed for the glam and stuff like that. But this dude's like Jeff, man. He got the job done. All right. Heck of, heck of a hockey player, too, I might add. Glad we yes. Won. I didn't have time to get into all that. <laughs> so, uh, Jeff, you know, your, your opinions on, on Glavin and, and, you know, this, this might be not a true statement, but, but I'll ask you, since Maddox, I guess, would be considered the ace, does that mean that, you know, Glavin might have had some better pitching matchups? <laughs> well, that's a good question. It does happen, right? Uh, well, but the, the problem is they all got good pitching matchups. When you got four number ones in your rotation uh, throughout their careers, uh, it's pretty hard to uh, decide who had the better matchups. They they all were just great pitchers. You know, the thing about that Glavin that in my mind that really sticks out was, was just he was a workhorse. I mean, the guy – Showed up every day. He he pitched a lot of innings, but the other thing, when you watched him pitch, I I was I was always kind of amazed at him because on TV, maybe it's the angle of the camera, or whatever. You never really saw this great ball movement, you know, when he pitched like you do with the Maddox or some other guys. Um, you didn't see um, a filthy breaking ball uh, that you that he had, but he never gave in. I mean, it, it's three zero, and he's still throwing it on the paint, and he just was uh, relentless in in not giving in to hitters. And, uh, you know, he walked more guys certainly than than, Gla- than uh, Maddox would. But um, but at the same time, he's getting out of innings and having, you know, very good success. I think Tom had a really good changeup that went with that fastball. He'd like to live on that outside corner and mixing, mixing speeds up there a lot. And then he could bust you in. I, I appreciate you throwing me in the same sentence with him. Um, but uh, he, he, was, he was a lot better than I ever was. And he – he, he had the ability to go in because he still had some good velocity. You know, Tom, if I recall, you know, he lived around 90, I believe, maybe a little more um, at times. Uh, certainly with today's guns, he would live in that area uh, for the radar guns they use today. But he um, he just was relentless and, and just such a bulldog on the mound. What a great compliment he was to that staff. To kill Mets or Braves fans to see him in a Mets uniform, that's – God, that's all, yeah, all I could think towards the end of his career is like, oh, him going to the Mets, that oh, kills Atlanta. But So let's move on to our vote of round one here. Can't vote for your own. That's always been the rules of the show. And I'm going to make this short and sweet. I'm going to start it out. I'm voting for Tom Clavin. So that boy right happen, there. Paul. Nice. <laughs> so, Paul, who are you taking? Hey, man, one term, one term deserves another. I vote for Maddox. Okay. Kevin? That is insane to me, guys. Randy Johnson. I can't vote for Glavin there. 
I know. Well, <laughs> Johnson, man, had oh, way more strikeouts than all of them. Um, but anyways, uh, I'm going to have to go with Glavin. <laughs> Glavin won the, the MVP of the World Series. Uh, Maddox did not. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Glavin. All right. Manny? Yep, I, I like uh, I like the bulldog style that Maddox had too. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Maddox. Okay, so that puts you on you, Jeff. Oh, I'm the tiebreaker, huh? Yeah, you can still <laughs> well, you vote know, for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, tiebreaker. If I pick one of those two, you know the 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 thing is, you're asking who the best pitcher was, right? And a lot of that to me is uh, how do you define what the best pitcher? Kevin's going to have his, his obvious statement about who the best pitcher is who strikes out the most. And he's made, he's, he likes to bring that up with Randy. He's a power guy for sure. Dominant. And, you know, he won plenty of games, but when I think about pitcher, I look at a guy that has the ability to really live on the corners, really change speeds, has a lot of movement, offers a lot and can just really uh, outthink hitters. And so it's really hard for me to get past Greg Maddox. Uh, when I look at that list, they're, they're all uh, incredibly good pitchers. I would take any one of them. I know it's killing you, isn't it, Paul? <laughs> well, he's the host of the show. He's the one that asked me. Yeah, I, <laughs> I got to live with Greg Maddox. I, I, I've always been in his camp. He was my favorite guy to watch pitch. Uh, just really appreciated his skill level. Uh, so I got I to put my vote there. All right, let's move on to round two. Kevin with another flamethrower starting us out. Nolan Ryan. Starting to think that my picks were the wrong ones, y'all. Y'all don't know what baseball is every night. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, yeah, Nolan Ryan, nicknamed the Ryan Express, even has an expressway named after him. Um, played uh, a record 27 years. Uh, uh, Man, you had mentioned that uh, your player played, I think it was 24 you had mentioned. Uh, while Ryan went three more years, uh, played 27 years over four different decades. Man started in the 60s, played in the 70s, 80s, and finished off, I believe it was 93. So he played some in the 90s, too. Uh, he pitched for the Mets, Angels, Astros, uh, Rangers. Um, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1999, right-handed pitcher. Uh, he was consistently pitching around 100 miles per hour. Uh, I definitely like the fastball pitchers. Um, you know, he maintained that, that speed throughout his whole career, too, uh, which is pretty impressive. Um, usually the older you get, the slower pitch gets but he maintained it pretty much throughout his career he also had a crazy curveball he finished with a record of 324 292 losses um was an eight-time all-star uh he had 5714 strikeouts which uh is a record uh, uh with a big margin um he leads the runner up which is my other pitcher randy johnson by 839 uh, on a sad note though i will say um uh, he did have a lot of walks um, he, he did walk a lot of batters, um, to the tune of about 2,800. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that, that's over a hundred a year, right? 27 yeah. years. Yeah. Uh, and that was about 50% more, um, uh, hitters walked, uh, than any other pitcher in MLB history, which is unfortunate, but that doesn't take away from what he did for the game and, and his stats, uh, outside of that, um, uh, he leads uh, in the lowest batting average allowed, only 204. Uh, he is one of only five pitchers to be inducted into the Hall of Fame with more strikeouts in, uh, than innings pitched, which I also had mentioned Randy Johnson for that too. Both my pitchers are one of only five, just throwing that out there. Um, 
He is uh, one of only three players in MLB history to have his jersey retired by three different teams. Uh, he had his jersey retired by Houston, uh, Texas, and, and uh, the Angels. Uh, he leads uh, the MLB records for the most no-hit games with seven. Um, kind of shocked that he he never won a Cy Young award because um, uh, he's he definitely has some decent stats. Uh, his uh, career ERA was 3.19, second in games started, uh, 773, uh, seventh in shutouts with 61, tied for 14th in wins with 324. Like I said, he's eight-time uh, All-Star, won the World Series in 1969. Uh, he's a two-time NL uh, uh, ERA leader, 11-time strikeout leader. Um, he's also in the Houston and Texas Hall of Fame uh, and on the MLB All-Century. Um, and then he had the lowest batting average allowed at 204, like I had mentioned before. And he had 26 seasons with at least one win, which is another record in the MLB. He had a uh, crazy, crazy fastball, just like Johnson. Uh, won a lot of games, uh, a lot of strikeouts. Great pitcher. Great nickname with the Ryan Express there, too. You know, at 43 years old. Nolan Ryan takes a line drive to the face from Bo Jackson. Still gets Bo Jackson out. He stays in the game bleeding, pitches seven innings, licking his own blood off <laughs> for like a couple of innings. Johnson, or Ryan is just in, insane. Um, Jeff, you know, the walks, yeah, he's, he's definitely up there in walks, maybe some a little bit of control issue through, here and there, but uh, – you know, still just one of the all-time greats, and the longevity is incredible. What, what's your thoughts on Nolan Ryan? Well, you know, Kevin, you know, you left out the his height and weight. I mean, you're the stat man. Like, hard to yeah. believe you missed that. <laughs> with all that, with all that, you threw out there. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, obviously, with that long career, you got a lot to talk about. But he. Uh, yeah, I, I was so lucky in, that I, you know, played what I did with, with the players I got to watch play, and Nolan was one. I actually pitched a game against Nolan Ryan, um, and it was so fun to watch him throw. Intensity is really a word I'd use to describe him. There's, it's hard to to see that intensity in very many uh, other pitchers that he had. Uh, the, the the one, the only other pitcher that I could even that even came close to me was Roger Clemens and his intensity on the mound, and uh, and you know. Nolan uh, is just incredible for the velocity he was able to maintain, as you mentioned uh, in your in your in your stat stat uh, deal, Kevin was that he was in you know at 46 he's still bringing it and uh, and and just to think that you could play he he played in so many different decades it's crazy you know back in the, when he's with the 69 Mets he's still playing you know well into the 90s I mean how many people you know did that uh, came, you know, that he played against that came and went in this league, in the MLB, just tons. So it's just as uh, such an impressive career. Very fun guy to watch pitch. Hard to, hard to say enough about him. And I think he's been a great ambassador for the game. I think Nolan Ryan will always have an air about him. There's that aura. He's one of the hardest throwers to ever play. Um, I think in, in the real reading, if he was using today's guns, that you know he he all the all the radar that he had was off the slow gun that we all had you know through the time I was playing, and where it was reading the pitch as it crossed the plate, and he's still hitting over 100 miles an hour. I mean I I think I think he would have the hardest uh, velocity of anybody in the history of the game with the, today's gun in my opinion. But that's certainly just an opinion. But he back in his prime for sure. He was fun to watch. One of the funnest to watch. Just get out and try to dominate a game. Pretty incredible. Dominate a game and uh, 
he wasn't going to back down from anybody else. Yeah, Robin Ventura found out about that. Exactly. He's the wrong guy to charge. I know that much. You don't charge him. You just take it, <laughs> take it in the shoulder and head to first because it's a losing battle when you're going to head the mound there. Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's move on to uh, – well, we just talked about the Mets there for a second. Tom Seaver. Yeah, that's that's my guy, right? Tom Seaver. Um, before I get to Tom, I'll just give you a quick story. We used to go out to Shea Stadium all the time when I was younger, and um, there was a there was a guy warming up in the bullpen, and he was popping a glove like I'd never heard before. So we ran over there to see what it was. It was Nolan Ryan. He had some velocity even back then, and that was amazing to uh, to, to see and hear. Um, Tommy Terrific. All right, Tom Terrific. Uh, he um, right-handed pitcher. Um, when he his uh, Mechanics were just almost perfect. I don't know if you ever watched. He had he dropped down his his right knee would be dirty, you know, because he'd get down low and he just fire that ball. And he he's another competitor. I mean, um, he's uh, he and Walter Johnson, I believe, are the only uh, two guys with uh, over three hundred wins, over three thousand strikeouts, and an ERA under three. Uh, good stuff, um, Tommy. Uh, Pitched the Mets into the World Series back in 69. Uh, he was their man. He was the guy they went to, and he, and he came through big for them. And uh, I remember, again, going to Shea Stadium on Sundays, especially when the Pirates were in. It was like going to Carnival. You got tons of people there. Everybody's excited. Tom Seaver facing guys like Willie Stargell, Roberto Clemente, Al Oliver. Uh, that was pretty awesome. And, um, yeah, he got the best of them. Uh, he, I have a stat here where he hit – only 60 or 76 batters, all right, which, which is pretty good considering how many uh, he faced. And uh, and uh, I remember one of those at Chase Stadium, he hit Manny Sanguin in his uh, leg, and I thought a fight was going to break out, but Manny didn't charge. Um, Manny had some boxing background, so I kind of thought that would have been interesting. But uh, Tom, Tom had 12 all-star appearances. He had a World Series championship in 69. He had um, – Three Cy Young Awards. That's pretty good. Rookie of the Year also. And um, he led the National League in wins three times and in the ERA three times. So his stats were there, but his stuff was pretty good. And a lot of fun to watch. Um, didn't um, didn't back down from anyone. And uh, I, th I think Tom was one of the best, maybe a little bit under the radar, I don't know if I, I, I can match him up with uh, Nolan Ryan, but I think uh, Tom is, is up there. He's one of the better ones I've seen. I, I think he's the most underrated pitcher we're talking about tonight, uh, in my opinion. And not to mention, he of all the pitchers we're talking about tonight, he has the lowest ERA. So, you know, that's very important. Jeff, what are your thoughts you know, on Tom Seaver? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, yeah, I'm sorry Jeff. I'm to jump in there. But, you know, the Mets weren't very good. Especially yeah, you know, they were not a very good team. So for Tom to get wins, he had to keep that ERA down. He had to keep the ones down. So yeah. go ahead, Jeff. Yeah. Um, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about the 69 World Series kind of it's, it's interesting World Series from, from where I'm from. Uh, a little, a little factoid that you would know, but uh, the Orioles were playing the Mets in that World Series and there was two players from Billings, Montana that were in that World Series. Dave McNally, who's the most well known. And uh, and a pitcher for the Mets who 
um, was injured at the time, but was in uniform of a pitcher named Les Roar, and uh, both from Billings, and uh, both left-handed pitchers. And it's just uh, interesting that a little town like this would have two guys in one of the most famous World Series uh, out there because the Mets were so underrated going into that series uh, and then beating the Orioles uh, handily in that uh, was uh, pretty amazing. As far as Tom Seaver, you know, Manny, I think you really said it all. My, my thoughts on him when I think about him was that he was a competitor. He didn't back down for people. When he pitched, he was kind of, I'm just coming at you. He kind of just kept coming at you, kept coming at you. That was really his style. Uh, he is the most underrated one we're talking about. I don't think there's much flashy about Tom. He threw hard, but not incredibly hard. Um, certainly firm, had the good four-seam fastball, lived up in the zone, um, and, you know, it was very tough, very tough on hitters. But, you know, there's nothing in my mind that sticks out about uh, any one thing with him pitching other than, you know, he just kept coming at you. And uh, it was impressive, his career certainly uh, certainly was a, a big component of all the Mets' success, for sure. All right, let's move on to Steve Carlton. He's known as Lefty, so that, that might tell you what Army threw with. But uh, another four-time Cy Young winner. And uh, let me tell you about 1972. The Phillies, they only won 59 games that year. 27 of them were won by Steve Carlson. That is a, uh, winning 46% of his team's games. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's a record. I, I haven't seen anything better than that. To win that, uh, he went 27 and 10 that year. So to win 27 games on, on, a, on a team like that is just, it, it's crazy. But uh, his last National League pitcher to win 25 games. So actually kind of sad if you, if you think about it, that we haven't had a, anybody in the National League at 25 in that long. He's the last pitcher to pitch 300 innings in a season. You know, the, all the saving the arms these days. He was a two-time World Series winner, of course, 10-time All-Star. Um, 1972 Triple Crown winner, which men, means he led in wins, ERA, and Ks. And he's fourth all-time in strikeouts. Maybe Kevin will like that. And he's third if we don't count Clemens. So, just saying. Um, so, Willie Stargell said that hitting against uh, Steve Carlton was like trying to drink a coffee with, without, with, with a fork. So, that's pretty crazy. Um, you know, he was very good at picking people off, too. Had 144 pickoffs which is most all-time by 62. So he could uh, definitely trick you on that one. Uh, he led the league in complete games three times, Ks five times, and he pitched five times, wins four times. And and who could forget he has the most – one of the most famous beans in, in, in history when he plunked Al Bundy on Married with Children. So that was, you know, <laughs> a little uh, Hollywood for him there, um, you know, Al Trash talked him. Of course, he's going to throw at him. So, you know, nobody on this list, it, you know, maybe, you know, Seaver played for some bad teams. But Carlton played for some good teams, but he also played for a lot of bad teams. Um, so I like him. I like him as a pitcher, of course. And I think that he might have retired one too many times. But other than that, he definitely deserves to be on this list tonight. So, Jeff, what are your thoughts on Steve Carlton? You know, uh, I guess as I remember watching him pitch, the one thing that stands out to me is slider. That guy had a filthy slider. And he, he got guys swinging at that in the dirt as much as any pitcher in the history of the game, in, 
my in my view. He he really had a nasty when it comes from the left side. He was incredibly hard to hit. Threw firm, you know, threw definitely hard enough. Um, and I, I really I don't I never knew him personally. You know, I've heard people talk about him. I think one of the things that um, that helped him, I think, I think he's was kind of a prick, and I think that that is just, you know, when he's on the mound, I think it suited him well, and it made him that 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 competitor gave him that edge when he's out there, and uh, and man, he uh, he certainly threw up some numbers. The one thing that's interesting, what you brought up, Michael, is the uh, 27 wins, and you talk about how uh, it's hard to believe we haven't had anybody win in 25. I'll actually be shocked if we see anybody win close to 25 or more uh, going on in the game with what they're doing to it now with regards to pitchers. You know, the starters don't stand long enough to get decisions uh, for for uh, for that many decisions. I mean, 27 and 10, I mean, 37 decisions he got. That's crazy. You, you just don't see that much anymore. Um, the, the starters are five, six inning guys. Um, we know how many games go and are decided after the fifth inning. And uh, there's lots. And so I think it, it's it's a bullpen kind of uh, by committee kind of game now and how they uh, try to get all the matchups that they need to get. Um, so it'll be interesting if that changes. Baseball, like any sport, can be cyclical in their thinking. Um, so we'll see if they come back around to where they start stretching guys out more and going back to the, you know, to kind of the old, old school mentality. But as it sits now, it's really hard to think that somebody could get to 27 wins again. I figure the way baseball is trying to speed the game up, they'll cut it down to seven innings. And then if you pitch four, you get the win. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if they did that, you know, that would be a different deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our last pitcher, Gaylord Perry. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm trying to knock off Nolan Ryan here. But uh, Ryan Express, Tommy Terrific, lefty or prick, you don't need a <laughs> – you don't need a nickname when you're rocking uh, Gaylord Perry, okay? So I had my crack staff research this, and after extensive research uh, buried in the first line of a Wikipedia page, Gaylord's actually named after a, a deceased friend of his father who died while having his teeth pulled. Um, I don't know. I don't know what you do with that. But the irony, I guess, or something to mention is he's he's most known for throwing the spitter ball. So I'm going to get this the spitter thing out right out in the open because uh, you guys are going to attack it anyway if I don't. He threw a spitter ball. He's in the league for 22 seasons. Yeah, he guess he doctored some baseballs or whatnot. But uh, he didn't get ejected for it until his 21st season. So... Maybe you could say, you know, different time, different place. Born 915-38. This is a five-time All-Star. And I think some interesting facts like Mike likes to throw out to, to uh, sure up his weak picks is that uh, this guy won a Cy Young in both the National and American League. So there's been other players that have accomplished this since, but he was the first player to do it. He's kind of a journeyman. Played for the Giants, Indians, Rangers, Padres, Rangers again, Yankees, Braves, Mariners, and Royals. Um, that could be – that's kind of difficult to be a, a, a pitcher, a, a confident pitcher going to all those teams and, and um, putting forth good stats. But people don't know that Gaylord had a normal name brother named Jim, and he was also a good pitcher. 
they're the second most winning brother pitcher duo, which uh, to my boy Manny over there, Phil Negro and Joe Negro, they have the most wins as a brother crew. So here's the teeth of the stats. You get it? 314 wins, 265 losses, 3.11 ERA, 777 games, 303 complete games. He has a no-hitty in 1968 in 53 shutouts, finished over 3,500 strikeouts, 35-34. And he uh, walked, I what did Nolan Ryan walk, like 7 million people? He walked 1,379 people, 399 home runs allowed, and he was a six-time MVP. So I know you're going to attack the spitter, and I know you're going to hate on the name Gaylord. And, Kevin, don't say anything. Just sit there. Oh, I got Go stuff to say, but I'm not going to address the football. I got other stuff to address. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe one of these times Michael let me pick first on who I want to represent instead of calling me 10 minutes and, you know, saying here's who you got, you know. <laughs> right, right. You know, the, the spitter's no different than, what was it, uh, A.D. Seacock throwing the shine ball. It, it, was, it wasn't, like, really – I mean, I, it was I'm, technically yeah. illegal, but it wasn't. You I'm know. ethically torn here, but like the the knuckleball was effective, and it's not cheating. But the spitter, he could do it, and I, the spitter, from what I understand, was pretty unhittable. So, you know, Kevin, I'll come to you in a minute. But Jeff, did you ever doctor the ball? We've all seen the movie Major League. <laughs> I mean, Chris, Chris, you know, Scott, the thing about baseball is the, uh, <laughs> yeah, the that. rules, right? <laughs> It's kind of like you, when you, you know when you're supposed to hit somebody, right? And it's uh, right. is it is it legal to do that? Not really. You're not supposed to intentionally hit people. But uh, you know, as far as doctoring the baseball, that's something that's gone on since the dawn of time. I think, in, as far as baseball goes, Dennis Eckersley, uh, really during my time period, was very proficient at uh, scuffing the ball. We had baseball sitting in the dugout the, on days he pitched. It had the 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 same scuff Martin exactly the same location on every ball that was fouled off and, and you wonder, and you take it out to the umpire and they're like, Oh, I don't know. You know, and they just, you know, umpires don't want to get involved in that unless they really have to. Um, Gaylord was, was the most notorious for the spitter of, of anybody that we know out there. I actually had a pitching coach when I was uh, uh, in, uh, uh, in Rochester in uh, when I got sent down in, in, in 91, from the Orioles and named Dick Bosman that played with Gaylord Perry. He showed me how uh, he throws the spitter. And uh, I actually uh, finally got the courage in one game to actually throw one out in the mound. And, and all the umpires, you feel like everybody's looking at you and you know exactly, well, they're going to throw me out of the game. This is going to be embarrassing. I'm going to make national news, but they're not really paying attention. Um, Gaylord, you know, he got past that uneasiness of everybody thinking they're looking at him. He just made it where Everybody knew he was doing it, but they just couldn't catch him. Uh, and it is a nasty pitch. The one thing about a spitter, it is it, it, the, the break on it is so late uh, in the zone that it is very challenging to hit. And that is one of the reasons uh, that he had so much success. I don't know that Gaylord had incredible stuff. He wasn't. He maybe an early in his career, he he might have been a, a firm thrower. I don't know. He was ever a, a fireball guy. Um, you know, he had probably a pretty good breaking ball, and he had probably a pretty decent fastball. But as he developed that spitter, he became uh, a pitcher that obviously all these teams wanted. Really interesting. You say a journeyman. The one thing about being a journeyman means that you're highly sought after and that, uh, you know, you play with all these different teams. Someone's wanting him every year because, for one, he was able to go long into the game, so you knew you were getting innings. 
out of him, which helped save your staff. And you knew you were getting, you know, a competitor. You knew what you were getting in Gaylord Perry. You played 22 years or however long you play. It's an incredible amount of time. Um, I was shocked to see him on the list for people playing in the 80s because I remember seeing him when I saw him really pitching on TV back in probably the early 80s. He looked like grandpa to me. I mean, he had gray mm-hmm. hair and wrinkled face. And I'm like, how is this guy still pitching? But he he uh, figured out a way to get out there and compete. It was really impressive to watch him work. So kind of fun. Definitely one of the characters of the game. I think if you ever had a chance to talk to him, you'd get just an incredible amount of great stories. Um, I have a feeling quite the, quite a big character, I would think. Kevin, go ahead. 30 seconds. Maybe yeah, maybe. so <laughs> there, uh, he did some shady stuff, man. And, and the spitball is not the only one. There, He also did the puff ball. We would get a handful of the roast in, and when you throw the ball, a big puff of smoke would come out around the ball, and that's distracting to the batter, and I think it's a, it's an unfair thing to do. And um, uh, I thought it was kind of funny, though. I, I saw that he actually reached out to the makers of Vaseline to try and endorse the product for them, <laughs> and uh, they replied with a postcard saying, uh, we soothe babies' backsides, not baseballs. Um, and then one of a former manager uh, had famously equipped uh, – that he, he should be in the Hall of Fame with a tube of KY jelly attached to his plaque That's because Kevin's, of the shady stuff that he was doing. Is it Kevin okay. just wants to trash anybody who I got? He's got a whole list of things ready to go. You, <laughs> uh, you're uh, a softball. But Barbasil, Crisco, and Vagisil yeah. he had on his arm or something. And <laughs> <laughs> snot, quit snot on the ball. <laughs> hey, got an arm ball. worse, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> We've elected worse presidents. All right, let's uh, – Let's move on to our vote for round two. Um, Manny, we'll start with you. Yeah, this one is a tough one. You know, I really like Nolan Ryan. I think he did so much for the game. He was a great guy. But, man, I used to I used to marvel watching Steve Carlton pitch. And, he, I mean, that slider like, like uh, Justin was just – it would just disappear. You'd think he'd be right and it just disappeared. So I'm going to go with Steve Carlton on this one. So I'm going to go with um, Tom Seaver. And I know he wasn't flashy. But in my opinion, for the amount of wins he got for most of the teams he played with, that is really impressive. And if, if he had been on a team that was, you know, maybe even winning like 85 games a, a, a season, he, he'd have even more wins. Um, so I think he's very impressive. And as I said earlier, I think he's the most underrated pitcher in, in, in baseball history. But uh, Paul, go ahead. Taking the messenger out of it, uh, I'm going with Nolan Ryan. The no-hitters is a big deal to me. Uh, I'm 43. I love the fact that he was out there at 43 still hurling. You know, I I think Nolan Ryan, when I think of pitchers and when I think back to my youth and who I was excited to get a baseball card about, I, I think a lot of kids wanted to be Nolan Ryan. I, I think he was a great pitcher. Kevin? Well, obviously, I'm not going to go with the spitball, puffball, Vaseline guy. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, Paul. You should. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, so right now, I'm you know between Seaver and Carlton. Um, you know, Carlton kind of was a little bit shady uh, himself when it came to fans and media, and <laughs> refused. He, he, he literally refused to talk to media for two years. Uh, uh, can you blame him? I mean, come on. Granted, yeah, he did. Well, it was Philly, and we all know how Philly fans can be. Um, you know, they threw snowballs at Santa Claus one year. Um, but um, I'm, I'm going to have to go with Seaver. Okay. 
Jeff? You know, Kevin, I'm, I'm surprised you have such an aversion to Vaseline. Really just yeah. shocking. Uh, yeah. But, you know. Makes you wonder. Really does. <laughs> um, you know, the, uh, <laughs> the thing for me is that, you know, Nolan Ryan, I've always been a big fan of his. And so it's really hard for me to get past the longevity of his career, the magnitude of his career on this list. Um, you know, Steve Carlton, uh, I'd probably put him in, in second there for me or close second. But Nolan, uh, I, I got to give my vote to Nolan Ryan. He's just really been one of my favorite players. I think kids in this day and age still want to be Nolan Ryan. You know, and he, he still has that aura about him. So that's a tie with Seaver and Ryan at two. Because Jeff is the special guest and athlete, his vote is was a determining factor. So Nolan Ryan will move on to the final vote. Before we get to the final vote, here's tonight's trivia question for a prize. Prior winners, you guys are ineligible. Please place your answer in the group page comments section. Name these actors. I was a player in Eight Men Out and Major League. I was a player in Mr. Baseball and Major League. And I was a player in For Love of the Game and Bull Durham. So if you get all three of those actors, we'll get your prize mailed out to you. All right, our final vote is between Greg Maddox and Nolan Ryan, almost opposite pitchers here. You got the heat and then and the control guy here. So, Paul, you're up first. Wait, the question uh, aspect of this? No, no, no. You got to vote for uh, Maddox or Ryan. Oh, okay. The, yeah, I'm still going Ryan. Okay. Still doing Ryan. Kevin? Are we so we are voting for our even though it's our own people? Yeah, I'm not going to vote for Maddox. Nolan Ryan, the longevity, better better fastball, uh, the strikeouts, um, the no hitters. I got to go with I got to go with Nolan Ryan. Manny, yeah, I feel the same way. Nolan did so much, all the strikeouts, all the no hitters, you know, and he did, uh, you know, he did have to work on his control, obviously, but he finally got it to. Got it going, and so I'm going to go with Nolan Ryan. I'm going to go for Maddox, and it's not just because I represent him today. It's because I think he is, if the people we're talking about, I think he was like the best pure pitcher. Uh, Jeff mentioned earlier, he's this guy was the cerebral assassin. You know, he could beat you a lot of different ways. So, Jeff, your vote, Ryan or Maddox? Yeah, that's a really tough one for me because, uh, you know, my statement earlier uh, when we were on the first four was about, uh, you know, my view, who's the best pitcher. You know, clearly Maddox to me is the best pitcher um, uh, in in this group, in, including Nolan Ryan. His command uh, was certainly uh, in, incredible and his ability to, to have so many different pitches that he could throw where he wanted to. He just – and and his, his smart ability. You know, Nolan um, – dominant you know just dominant when he come in with the fastball curveball was very dominant he, he developed you know off speed uh, when as needed but he's his instinct was I'm gonna throw it by you the problem I have here is that I'm such a huge Nolan Ryan fan and I just think he is so I just love this whole mystique of us Nolan Ryan man I mean that guy above all of the pitchers just for me I gotta go with him just have to do it Okay, tonight's winner, Nolan Ryan. Four votes to one, so there you go. Kevin, you get the win. Congrats. All right, yeah. let's, let's move into our Q&A. Uh, Kevin, you can ask the first question. 
Yeah, so um, how, how was it uh, in, in Baltimore and playing in uh, Camden Park and uh, with Cal Ripken Jr.? Uh, kind of what was your experience out there in Baltimore? Uh, well, to correct you on one thing, unfortunately I never got to play in Camden Yards. Um, I was a oh. Memorial Stadium guy. Uh, my last year was 91. The stadium opened in 92. The new okay. stadium, the best I can tell you is that I had a uh, – I had a uh, uh, input in the building of it um, just because I was the player rep. Um, I had, I had a lot of great years in Baltimore. Certainly my heart's there. Um, coming, coming to the Orioles from Billings was a big deal because Dave McNally had already set the table uh, in Baltimore as being a Billings guy. I think that helped me with the fans there uh, initially. I think they, they uh, uh, you know, identified with me following in his footsteps and I, it was just such a, a, a great place. Tough time to be an Oriole, though, really. Minus the 89 season, we sucked. Um, just not good. And and, and I was there. Um, I, I wasn't there in Baltimore when we started 88 off with 21 straight losses. I was there shortly after because I got called up from AAA at the time. Um, got to play for Cal Sr., um, played for Frank Robinson, played for Johnny Oates. So we had this kind of revolving door at manager. The one constant we had, junior. Cal Jr. And so every inning I ever pitched, he was in my shortstop. And man, that that's a that's a really nice comfort, uh, knowing that you got a guy like that back there. Um, what a great guy to play with. Certainly, the highlight of my career was being his teammate. Um, can't say enough great things about Cal. Certainly, uh, certainly fun to be around, and a really really good teammate. So. Manny. Um, I got kind of a, I guess more of a personal type question. There's a couple of stadiums that I played in. I believe you may have either played in them or at least been to them. Uh, there was a Wall Memorial Stadium in Buffalo. Uh, I believe the, that the AAA team uh, played at that stadium for a while. And of course, there was um, the uh, Cobb Field in Billings. <laughs> Two great games. Yep. I really, I, I really, I mean, I think back on those days. Cobb's long, no longer there. And of course, the Triple A team now in Buffalo plays in a brand new stadium. What do you think if you if you played in those? What do you think about those two fields? Well, um, the War Memorial never got a plan. They already built that new stadium, and I don't know if they've got a second new stadium since I was there. But uh, being Pitt playing in there in '93 uh, in uh, in Buffalo, and then a little bit in '94. Um, you know, I love Buffalo, but I didn't get to play in War Memorial. Cobb Field, on the other hand, is the field I grew up in. So playing Legion baseball here in Billings, Montana. Cobb Field was our home field. So uh, lots of great memories down there. It is no longer in existence. We have a new stadium here uh, built in uh, 2007, I think. So Cobb Field had a good run. Really interesting history. Uh, you know, the name Cobb comes from a guy that from Billing named Cobb. It was the same guy that invented the Cobb salad. He was the owner of the Brown Derby, the famous yeah. restaurant in L.A. Uh, was a guy from Billings named Cobb. So really interesting uh, history with that old park. Yeah. Oh, War, War Memorial, oh, they had sorry. Yeah, uh, sorry. the movie The Natural was filmed in that, in that stadium. That took, it was pretty cool. But I know the Pirates played there because I remember watching uh, Tony Pena play there when he was in AAA. Uh, so it's pretty interesting. Thank you. Paul, go ahead. Now, if I got a quick two-parter, because you'll know the answer to both these immediately, but I read an article where – you struck out our manager of the Marlins, Don Mattingly, three times, and then you were voted top 50 most popular Orioles. I mean, both prestigious, but 
what does Jeff Ballard look back on his career and say he's most proud of? And the second part of that is when you had your starts, who were you marking off on the calendar as a batter you just didn't want to face? That's about a four-part uh, question, but that's all right. <laughs> I'll try to get through it all. Um, well, Maddenly is certainly a highlight. Uh, you know, he's a hard guy to strike out, and to do it three times in one game um, was a thrill. I remember it very well, and I knew he wasn't very happy about it. He was so pissed off after the game, and we played them shortly, uh, you know, not too long later, a few weeks later, uh, back in Baltimore, and, you know, the reporters were wanting to make a big deal of that, and, and that he was really gunning for me, and and all that. <laughs> I didn't want Dunn Madden gun, gunning for me, but certainly it was fun to strike him out three times. Um, you know, as far as, you know, I, I, it's hard to pinpoint. My career was such a, a different career in, in, in my mind than maybe most. I mean, I had the highs and the lows. I got to see the, the uh, you know, the, 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 the top when, you, when I won 18 games. Uh, you talk about, you know, how you get on the wrong list uh, when you're you're the number one starter and you pitch against all the number one starters. Well, I was the fifth starter coming out of spring training in 89. And um, the way the days off worked, my first start, I didn't pitch for like 17 days uh, from my last outing in spring training to my first start um, in, in the season. And I and it had to fall on everybody else's number one day. So my first start in April, I went 5-0. and oh, and beat everybody else's number one, which was crazy, you know, thinking about, because I hadn't done anything at the time. I mean, I was lucky to be on the team um, and hadn't done anything very special. But to start off that year in 89 with a very special group of guys that year that just molded together, I think if I look back that year, certainly from the unexpected nature of it, and the Why Not video does a really good job of explaining that season. Um, and I, I, I just, I, I got young kids, right? I started late in life with kids. I got to show them that video here not that long ago. And I think my, I think my son's watched it three or four times since then. Thinks it's just pretty, pretty cool to see, but it, it is a, uh, it was a special year. And I think really what I, what I liked is the Orioles had been so bad since their world series win in 83 and to be on the team that kind of brought baseball back to the limelight in Baltimore after having just so such bad teams in the, in the previous three years that um, the Orioles fans just really, fell in love with us. And I happen to be part of that. So in, in answer to your top 50 Oriole deal, I think a lot of the reasons that I was a fan favorite was because I was part of that team. Certainly not necessarily my stats. My stats aren't very good um, overall, but that year I was good. And I had a team that played defense behind me. And as it's been throughout my whole career, I was kind of always a reflection of, of how my teams played. If I was on a good team, I excelled. Uh, and did my job and pitched well and won. And if I was on a bad team, I wasn't, I wasn't Nolan Ryan. I didn't, I didn't, or Steve Carlton on, it was a great example of that. And the, with that bad Philly team winning over half their games, that wasn't me. I wasn't going to carry you, but man, I could be a great, uh, uh, you know, part of, of the story for any good team. And that's, that was kind of really how my career went. You know, I look, I look at it. I was incredibly dominant in the minor leagues. Uh, and, uh, uh, all the way through even AAA. I mean, my AAA numbers are phenomenal. So I, I, I kind of refer to myself as a AAA and a half guy. I was better than AAA, but getting to the big leagues was just probably a little beyond me until I finally learned how to play. And that was it towards the last couple of years. In 93 and 94, 
I really started having a comfort factor mentally about being, uh, you know, in the big leagues and what my job was and how I could have success. Unfortunately, uh, uh, you know, I was on a, a team that probably didn't fit me well um, with the Pirates at the time, although I really enjoyed Jim Leland. But um, and then I had a car wreck that kind of ended everything in January '95. Mm -hmm. So I probably had a couple good years left that I really, you know, as I look back, would have liked to have been somebody's fifth starter because um, I knew I could give you six, seven innings consistently and keep the game, you know, keep you in the game. I just knew I had it at the time uh, to be able to do that, but I just never got the opportunity to. But uh, a lot of great memories. You know, to go from 18 wins to two, a lot of tough times. Yeah. You know, from 89 to 90, I had some elbow issues that really weren't very well defined publicly, but I certainly – uh, well, the deal, if I had something to do all over again, I would have never been the player rep. Um, kind of got thrown into that position because I was a Stanford grad. The players on the team were like, you know, I'd, I'd come off 18 wins and they're, oh, let Stanford do it. You know, he can be the, <laughs> let him be the player rep. I mean, it should have been Cal because at the time, the owners and the players weren't getting along great and really not a place for me. Some, you know, young punk kid, you know, I had, hadn't done anything yet really, but have one good year is all of a sudden the player rep for the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, I'm in New York, uh, you know, one of the faces of the lockout in 90 on the, you know, Today Show and all these other things because I could speak. So the unions pushing me out, that didn't help my career any um, when, when, I, when I started struggling. Um, and it was easy to put the thumb on me. I really think that, you know, being a player rep was not probably the best thing. Uh, the one regret I would have had as far as the game goes, I, I would have I declined that if I had that to do all over again. So. Long-winded, uh, lots of stuff in there, but uh, get me going, man. How long do you got? <laughs> know, it's, a, it's a podcast. We can go all night. But uh, <laughs> So I want to ask you about 1984, the World Cup of Baseball. You're playing with guys like Will Clark and, and Mark McGuire out there. I mean, did, was there something maybe that you, you learned from playing with, like, those caliber players or, or maybe from the manager that, you know, helped you in your career later on and, you know, just – Talk about that team maybe a little bit. Yeah, actually, you know, the, the whole experience of USA Baseball started for me in 83. Um, I, I got to be on the USA, uh, USA team, the Pan American Games team in 83, and played with a lot of really good players there and got to travel around the world all summer in 83 after, after my sophomore year of pitching at Stanford. And that led me to actually uh, getting on the 84 team, which was after the Olympics. I wasn't uh, – I didn't quite have the credentials maybe to make the Olympic team, although I might have been a little bit part of the conversation. But, um, uh, but, the, but after the Olympics were over in 84, they were looking to um, put another team together to go to Cuba to play the Intercontinental Cup. And so uh, I was able to, uh, to get on that team. I'd say the, those two years were just really great in the experience of the game and playing all over the, all over the world and seeing the great international players and seeing how guys do it differently. Um, and then also just experiencing the great talent across the country with all the different guys that, that, uh, that we played. And, and, and also I, I throw into that being in the PAC 10 back in those days was, was, you know, Barry Bonds was at USC, Mike Devereaux at U, I mean, at Arizona state, Mike Devereaux at Arizona state, Odie McDowell's at Arizona state. You had Mark McGuire at USC, Randy Johnson at USC, you had guys all over the league that were hall, hall of, future Hall of Famers and and uh, incredible, incredible players. So you wrap all that up into, you know, the experience factor really, um, you know, allowed me to get into the minor leagues. That's the, that's the caliber I'm playing against. 
Uh, and then you get to the minor leagues and you wonder why it's easy. Well, you're not playing against those guys at, at rookie ball and at A ball. You're playing against a lot of good players, but not teams loaded with that kind of talent. So I think it all added up. Uh, the one the one note of interest in winning a bronze, I got to shake Fidel Castro's hand. And I would say that was one of the more intimidating things that, that I ever uh, had to do or got to do because you knew who he was. You knew what came with that, you know, from the history uh, of everything in Cuba. And it was just like, uh, whoa, you know, it was, it was crazy, really crazy. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We, we really appreciate it. Uh, you were, I've only fanboyed over a couple people on this show. You, Sid Bream, and uh, Darren Poopa from the NHL. You, you guys are my fanboys. You know, I, I know when I emailed you, I talked about I, I used to use you in my uh, baseball game. But <laughs> that cracks me up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. I still, you know, my kids have a little figurine that they used to sell. That I had a couple extra left, and they use that to, you know, throw around the house now. So Nice. <laughs> well, I want to remind everybody to uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, join the Facebook group. And, uh, you know, just a, another big thanks to Jeff Ballard for joining us tonight. So thank you and good night.